0: Hello and welcome to Episode 82 of Yagma Soap Opera, the classic related podcast for you, the community, The Day the Earth Caught Fire. I'm Andy, a.k.a. Montolio, and I'm joined by my regular co-hosts, Zach, a.k.a. Abstract66, and Josh, a.k.a. Cronin. And I'd also like to welcome a special guest today. We've got MTGO's Academy's content manager and classic innovator, AJ, Mr. Planet Walls. How are you
1: and welcome, AJ? I'm doing well. Glad you guys brought me aboard. Definitely good to have you on. Uh, how are you guys doing this week?
2: I'm doing well. Yeah, me as well, Zach. Spring break next week. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah.
1: Anyway, we got a ton of stuff to talk about, Andy. What, what do we got?
0: Yeah, we've got a pretty packed show as usual, guys. We've got uh, some really exciting announcements from Wizards of the Coast. Uh, we found out uh, today that we are getting a MOCS promo, Savannah. For the MOCs four, and this has the original borders on it. It's got some great art, and it's a really sexy looking card. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And of course, Chris Kurtz uh, let us know on March seventh that uh, there's all sorts of crazy stuff coming to Moto. We, one of the sixteen lucky guys and girls uh, that won the respective 2012 MOCs, is going to get an invite to the Pro Tour. Uh, we also have a Grand pre trial for the first time coming to Moto. And, of course, we've got promo cards, which is going to be starting up on March 13th. talk a little bit more about that. And, of course, the one that's most exciting for classic players is the trade limit increase from 75 tickets to 400. And, as usual, we're going to be talking about the classic invitational qualifier, number three. And uh, we're going to look at the results for round one with some deck analysis. And we'll be doing the same for round two, which is just underway. And we're going to look at our breakdown, which is our analysis uh, of the match of the week. And we've got a special one for today because we've got both Zach and AJ's match. And then we'll be looking at our Vintage View uh, with a cool-looking Grixis build. And, of course, we've got our Community Spotlight featuring Tommy Topdecker, our Classic Challenges. And uh, for the viewers, we've got some feature matches. So a real packed show today. So... Get your popcorn and your sodas, folks, and we're going to roll right in. So what do you guys think of this new MOCS promo we're getting?
1: Well, I like it and I hate it simultaneously. I think it's awesome, and to look at it is very cool. Um, But as a foil guy, and we'll get into this after I get everyone's opinion, I think, eh, I'm not excited about it. What about you guys?
2: I'm
3: glad it has the old border.
2: You know, I gotta be honest. I wish it were white bordered. Um, <laughs> those are just my thoughts on the matter.
0: Really, like white border is better than black. AJ,
2: see, it's always been my thought process that you try to make your deck as ugly as possible to impress your opponent. It's like uh, kind of how the Scotch did it when the Romans were moving up north. <laughs>
0: Just so you know, AJ, that, that uh, type, of, type of psychic warfare will never work on me. I, I just feel bad from you across the table.
2: Well, if you go back and watch some of my uh, Classic League uh, Qualifier Tournament 2 matches, you'll notice that all of my basic islands, of which there were eight, are all white-bordered, and I found the ugliest art I could imagine <laughs> to represent my deck.
0: You know the saying, folks, to each their own... Um, yeah, my, my I, I like it. I think it's a really cool looking piece of art on it. It's um nice looking Savannah photo and I'm the with Josh on this one. I think the most important thing is the borders on them. They're really nice looking, so Yeah, this uh this is hopefully a prelude to lots more promo uh, dual lands coming back into the market. Well, how, how do you think this will affect price point?
1: I think I think it's gonna be um okay. I think the regular will probably mirror something like pernicious deed where the promo and the regular are both relatively high priced with the promo being a few dollars more uh but i think the foil is going to be ridiculously ri- ridiculously hard to come by like i'm talking multitudes of hundreds of dollars because anybody who's into the foil collection will typically want four of a of a just a super playable card uh, I don't know how many people play Green-White Legacy, but I'm sure there are a lot. The same guys who are, like, uh, promoing out their Caracases and their uh Knights of the Reliquaries in real life. And I just think it's going to be... what? It's still 64, right? They changed it from 32, but now it's only 64?
3: I'm not sure, Zach. I'm not sure what the setup is on that. Yeah, there are more foils now than there were. I think, do people have... Can people earn a foil because they still have the preliminary mox tournaments, don't they?
1: Well, I don't. I don't think you earn foils there. I think you are in the final QPs for there, right?
3: I thought if you won it, or if you whatever X and O it, I thought you still got a foil one.
1: I don't know. That that's interesting.
3: But I'm not sure.
1: Even uh, so, even if there are 20 of those tournaments, you're not even over 150 of these cards, and that like. If, if you want this card, I mean, some people, like, if they do Badlands or Plateau, one's probably fine. But if they do Tropical Island, if they do Underground Sea, if they do Tundra, if they do Volcanic, I mean, it's going to be an epic chase, hard-to-find foil, don't you guys think?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I won't be going for them.
2: This seriously looks like a photo taken right in the middle of the Serengeti. Unlike the original Savannah, which looks like something, like,
3: Finger depicting painting.
2: Iowa. Yeah. I mean, I gotta say, it looks a lot better, honestly, but I, I'm not the sort of guy to ask when it comes to art, so uh, those are just my two cents on the matter.
1: Yeah, I think it looks better than the original, for sure. I think they picked really cool art, and uh,
2: I actually really, like you guys, I,
1: I appreciate the frame and the, uh, the border, and... It's it's nice. I like the white text. I liked everything about it. Except yeah. for the scarcity.
0: For sure. Time, time will tell, but uh yeah, I'm with Josh on that one. I don't think I'll be trying to buy these. I've, I've already got the originals and, from MED and FOIL and um, good enough for me. So moving along here, as I alluded to, we've got some really big announcements from Chris Kears from Wizards of the Coast uh, last week, and one of these announcements is um, for the respective winners of the MOCs uh, in 2012. They all have invites to um, to a tournament uh, on March 22nd, 23rd to battle it out for their share of 100k and a chance to get uh, an invite to a pro tour. This this is pretty huge. Uh, the opportunity to play something online and get an invite to a pro tour. What do you guys
3: think? So, if you win an MOCs, you get an invite. Is that?
0: Yeah, I- I, I, as I understand it, all these the, the guys that won their MOCSs are going to play it out in a tournament. They're going to go head to head. All twelve of these guys, and they're going to play it out for their for their chance at this hundred grand and an invitation to the Magic World Championships, which is an Amsterdam in July.
1: Well, yeah, I I I think I heard it or understand it the way Josh does, which is everyone who won their respective event, and I, I read through this pretty closely, I think they get to choose between two Pro Tours. The, uh, yeah, uh, so we've decided what? that the best magic online players should have a chance to test their skills against the world's best paper players so we've decided to invite all 16 2012 magic online championship finalists to compete at or to compete at pro tour dragon's maze in san diego or pro tour friends in dublin oh, okay
2: that's awesome you get a, you get a location in north america you get one in europe i I mean, it's been tacitly understood and accepted, as far as I know, that the competition on Magic Online, especially for an MOCs tournament and winning one of those things, is more than comparable to the competitiveness of a paper event. And so, recognizing that and offering these sorts of uh, prizes and opportunities to the players who succeeded those things, I, I think it's a long time coming.
3: Yeah. I'm- For this, for 2012, they get the choice like that. Um, Going forward, it sounds like um, whatever time of year you win the mocks in, you go to the next upcoming pro tour. So like January and February, go to Dragon's Maze, and then March through July, go to Friends. So there won't be the waiting until all of them have qualified before they get their invites.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, man, Um, if I had won, which I didn't even play any of these, but if I had gone through this and won, I read through there and I noticed what sucks for these guys compared to the real pro tour guys is it says, please note, uh, accommodations and airfare are not included, so that pretty much puts Dublin right out the window, feels me.
3: Yeah, you have to be a certain level for those to be included anyways, don't you? Maybe that's platinum. I'm not sure how that all works. I'm quite a ways away from being on the Pro Tour.
2: Yeah, myself included. <laughs> yeah, I
3: don't think a normal Pro Tour invite, though, includes travel and accommodations.
2: Hmm. I don't
3: think so either. I think they're paying out of pocket.
2: Interesting. What kind of accommodations do they get? Do they get, like, a rental car if they get accommodations? Well, how does this work? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure people know these things.
1: They got, like, Moto uh, just... Bentleys? <laughs>
2: Yeah, they've got like the MTGO logo like on the on the spokes of the the wheels or something on the hubcaps.
1: Yeah, spinners. WUBRG wheels. <laughs> oh amazing. man, so that that's definitely cool. Um, I think probably the the biggest one. Well, before we get to the biggest one, the other one that's pretty cool is the promo codes. So. What do you what do you guys think about the promo codes? You liking that?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty. Uh, I I think it's pretty innovative. I mean, uh, you know, for the listeners that aren't aware, these things start on the March 13th, and it's a reward system for players. A variety of different brands or interactions where they can earn their codes and receive di- digital objects for purchasing products, attending events or conventions, or social media. So you notice the word social media. Maybe they're going to give us foil black lotuses or something.
1: Well, see, that's what. I'll tell you, man, like, really, uh, I wanted to touch on this because I think it's really important. It's the one thing I'm really scared of. Everyone's been talking about, how are they going to release the P9? How are they going to do it? How are they going to do it? Blah, blah, blah. Well, if it's a prelude to paper hidden treasures, I'm going to have a real issue with it.
2: So I, I, I can think of a couple different possibilities here. I could imagine them having some sort of process, though I don't know how they would implement it. To allow the players who own paper Black Lotuses and power to be able to accrue them online through a promo code if necessary, um, and I could imagine some other kinds of paper shenanigans, you know, some kind of contest or something to permit that. But I have to imagine that they release them online through some other form as well. Yeah. Oh, they
0: can't do they can't do power solely through something like this. There's no way.
1: But it's like they did, it there, with, you with, did you do you remember Zendikar?
0: <laughs> yes, I do.
1: They did it. They...
0: <laughs> yeah, they won't do that again.
1: I thought that was. a pretty think they're, they're gonna use up.
0: something. Yeah, do you like that?
1: What I didn't hear.
0: Did you like what they did in Zendikar?
1: Me? Oh, hell no! That like royally pissed me off. Um, to be honest, uh, when when I first heard about it, and I didn't I didn't get any confirmation to the contrary, I was excited about just buying Zendikar packs, dude. Like I, that was when I was really getting into drafting, and uh, I really started a lot with with Lorwyn block, and then you know, that was kind of like the middle of my drafting craze. Man, I was just digging it. I was like, I can't wait for this set. You know, I'm gonna draft so much. I'll probably get like three pieces of treasure. Remember, it's like one every three cases or whatever it was, but. I had, you know, big dreams and big, you know, ambitions for that set, dude, and that was like a brutal wake up. I was like, What? Why can't why can't you do that? That's easy to program. That's like the easiest uh uh what's the word I'm looking for? Algorithm ever. It's like one divided by however many thousand cards are in, you know, three cases. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm hoping that's not their venue. I mean treasures would be fun. Uh, I'm hoping they'll they'll do it somewhere else, some other way as well. If they just do that,
2: do do you think uh, Wizards will uh, award the top eight of the Classic League 2012-13 Invitational um, power? No. Yeah, I don't either. I just I just wanted to get people's hopes up for a second. Would I like that? Yes.
1: Well, I tell you, man. Um They really surprised the crap out of me. I've never been one to ask for much. Like I never go to people and I'm like, Can I have XYZ? Uh I sold out twice. I mean I I I straight worked my way back into my collections. I never like was one of these guys, do you have, you know, any bots with free cards on it? Do you have any cards I can have? Blah blah blah. Um I'm I'm really just kinda stunned with the way this stuff's all working out. Uh with reference
0: to support from Watsy.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were, they were really cool with our league, uh, with, with the, the stuff that they did, uh, I, I, I emailed Chris Kiritz one time, and, uh, I didn't hear from him for a long time, and truth be told, I, I remember I posted something on our forums, like, I can't believe that they're ignoring me, what a-holes, you know? And totally take it back, you know, the, the guy got back to me, he's like, hey man, sorry, I've been really swamped, what do you, what are you guys thinking, you know, we can't do this if there's like, buy-ins or mandatory, uh, donations. And we kind of had some back and forths and it turned out they just donated all these, uh, super nice draft sets that you admittedly can't use right now. But these draft sets that are worth a lot of money. I mean, like, uh, TSE, Definitely. MVW, ME4, ME123. It's, it's good stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, it's nice to have some lots of support here. Trying to keep Classic alive, and they know we're working hard at it, and, uh, you know, they're rewarding us for it. So I look at it.
1: Very cool. Well, I know it's going to be too late for this, but the first code is uh, MTGO Code Launch, and it's Avacyn's Pilgrim. It's over oh, there cool. on the Magic Online page, but I think we'll be a day late when this thing goes out, so too bad.
0: Yeah, it's actually good until March 20th. It's the 13th to 20th. The code is good. Oh, Cool. Yeah, and it has to be used in the beta. You have to download the beta version, and you can use that code there, and that's how you get your free Aversons Pilgrim.
1: Oh, it has to be the beta?
0: Yeah, you have to do it in the beta. So this is their promotion. They're trying to motivate you to get into the beta because they want everybody
2: there. It's okay, though, because I'm pretty sure Averson's Pilgrim is classic playable.
0: Only you would play that, AJ.
2: That guy's a human, man. Like... I imagine if you need eight, uh, why can't I think what it's called, Noble Hierarchs, that guy's like the fourth, or the fifth through eighth slot, if you're playing a humans deck. It, it makes sense. Yeah.
1: <laughs> nope. I, I, have you guys actually been into the beta yet? Yeah. I was the opposite of enamored.
2: Yeah, I... I had a couple problems with it. I actually, I don't hate the way that everything's structured. I think that it's a little bit messy now. I had some problems with memory leaks early on when they'd released it. And then a couple times that I tried to record drafts, uh, I ran into serious problems where it would crash on me or freeze. And after that, uh, when I was recording content, I wouldn't use it anymore. But I imagine it's a little bit better now than it was then.
1: Well, I'll, I'll say... Uh and I've said this since the days of Leaping Lizards. I don't know how many of you guys remember them. Definitely. But they The thing that just makes me so angry about this, this company in general it always seems like they don't subcontract this stuff out to a competent firm who would just make a great product and allow them to make tons of money for years and years. It's like, let's hire people in-house and work on it as slow as humanly possible. This is like... This is the longest release I've ever seen, pretty much for any product. I mean, obviously there's fringe cases out there of like games that people were anticipating that never came out, but it's ridiculous how long it's taken these guys to do this kind of stuff, and this is with huge beta support.
0: I haven't gotten into the beta yet, so I can't comment on that. But yes, this is a this has been a long time in coming, and sounds like it's still a real work in progress.
1: But what was the biggest thing about all these announcements, my friend? Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: This is definitely relevant to to a lot of classic players and uh, big dealers, is that they have finally increased the trade limit from 75 tickets to 400 tickets. This is huge. This is huge. You know, I see this, uh, you know... uh, I can speak for a couple of you guys on this podcast for sure. I know that I've bought some high-profile foils, and you know, have it been well over seventy-five tickets. And when you're buying something of that ilk, you're putting yourself, or you're putting the, you know, the buyer, the seller, whoever that person may be, at risk. Whoever's taking the gamble, four hundred tickets alleviates this problem in a big way. I like it. That's what I'm going to say about it, and this is going to be deployed on March 27th and you know, this is not a permanent thing yet. There this is a trial and they're going to see how it goes. Uh, I think there's some fear at Watsi about putting people's collections at risk, putting it up to a 400 ticket, you know, for, for theft and being scammed and that sort of thing. But, uh, I, I'm pretty happy about it. Um, having said that I have bought most of my big money cards and, uh, don't foresee myself spending that kind of money on a big ticket item anytime soon but good for a lot of people what do you guys think Are you guys excited about this or?
2: so I, I gotta say and you've already hinted at this this um, I don't I don't want to say it revolutionizes but it, it it contributes a number of advantages to the secondary market on magic online at the very least um, that's that's the first thing the second thing is that it helps people uh, manage their collections, especially if they're spread out over a couple of different accounts. Um, So now it also becomes a lot easier to to buy into Battle of Wits if you want to play that deck or something, you know what I mean?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't, but... Yeah, no, for sure, it does make things a lot easier. Okay, so why don't we move right along here, guys, and why don't we talk about what happened around round one here? Why don't you take us right in there, Joshy?
3: All right, Joshy. we'll start with our first match, Digi 84 played the Maniac, and I think we all pretty much agreed that the green, white, black creatures were just going to be too much for... Um, a bug deck to deal with, and, uh, looks like that was the case, and the Maniac won.
0: Very nice.
1: Next up, we had Mr. Cowknows, a Clanny, running Blue-Green Gush against Fishy Fellow, Rockin' Shoth. I think I picked Fishy Fellow, just because of my affinity for Shoth, but, uh, Cowknows took it home, uh, with Blue-Green Gush. What do you guys think about that? What did we pick?
0: Hmm... I probably picked Schultz on that one, I would have thought.
3: I'm sure I picked correctly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a match you can watch also. It's up on YouTube now and in the article.
1: Nice, nice. Who do we have next there?
2: AJ? Yeah, so, so um, here's my... You know, I didn't watch this matchup, but my guess as to what happened between... uh See who we got here. Gaines Banding and Emerald Vortex. And, uh, Gaines Banding took this match, what was it, 2-0, looks like. Uh, my guess was that those robots were just too much for, uh, the Wall of Denial and Sphinx of Dwar Isle to handle. And while I do think that Sphinx of Dwar Isle, Wall of Omens, and even maybe Wall of Denial are completely playable classic cards, I am not necessarily convinced that uh, the blue-white control deck that Emerald Vortex built was built to withstand the pressure of so many Steel Overseers, Arcbound Ravagers, and Genesis Chambers.
1: Now, are you willing to tell me that you don't believe in Tefiri's Moat, which stops a color against the colorless deck?
2: It seems strictly worse to me, though I suppose it isn't strictly worse, but it seems almost always strictly worse than regular moat. Oh, oh it's, um, it's pretty bad against robots, I would go so far as to say.
3: <laughs> pretty bad.
2: Yeah, I imagine that got boarded out for Spreading Seas. Um, unfortunately, the Celestial Purge... Uh, well, I don't know, like Relic of progenitus, that can, that can draw you some cards. I'm not sure what I would have boarded in, in other words, but I think Teferi's Moat would have to be pitched for games 2 and 3.
1: Well, if I was playing his deck, which I wouldn't, but if I was... I would totally bring in those negates, because stopping those skull clamps and Genesis chambers seems to me more important than almost anything else.
2: Okay, so what do you guys think were the board decisions that both sides made? <laughs> I think that... Okay, so i got to be honest. I think Day of Judgment <laughs> is actually... It, it's actually good in this matchup. Like, significantly good.
3: I oh, think yeah. Dissipate
2: is bad. I would board out one Dissipate, two and probably uh, two Teferi's Moat and a Blue Sun Zena, and I would bring in three Negates and I don't know, maybe three Spreading Seas. I'm not I'm not sure about that last decision, but that's what I would have done from Emerald Vortex's side.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'd start by replacing the four Evolving Wilds with four uh, you know Flooded Strands. Maybe oh. replace the Fairy Conclave, the Ghost Quarter, the Lonely Sandbar, and the Lonely Secluded Step with four Wastelands. Uh, probably taking out the four ponders, put in four brainstorms. Take out four. What, Manalics, what do you think?
2: Put four force
1: of wills in there. Take out four. <laughs> well, no, Dems, but, but a lot four. of
2: those cards though are not in a sideboard. I mean, I'm I'm curious though what oh, you think about Gaines oh. Banding's decisions, oh. because I bet that Gaines Banding boarded out two spine of Ishsa and boarded in. I don't know. Hang on. Yeah. Uh, what else? Bring in. <laughs> <laughs> probably maybe I could see Dismember being playable in this matchup and Relic again it's a cantrip. And Snaring Bridge is probably a D- thinks of Dwar Isle. Now, uh, let me let me ask you
1: this. What would you dismember considering you can't target the only thing that does damage and both of the other cards suck?
2: Wall of Omens I would dismember. But you're probably right Why? that an artifact Sure. I, no, I imagine, I imagine that Etch Champion is just better than a Dismember in this matchup for, for Dane's Bandit. Effigy. I forgot what that did. Oh, that's a, that's like a Trinket Mage target. Um I wouldn't bring that in because you can't use a Workshop to activate its ability.
3: Alright.
0: Okay. There's- Moving right along here. That is- some solid deck analysis on Emerald Vortex deck there. But we have Huffy Henry, who drew with his Merfolk against Durnoth on Omni Show. So one point each, and not much to say about
2: that. Do you, do you know what happened there? Did that match just not happen, or did they uh, hurricane each other repeatedly until both of them ended up with zero on the clock at the same time? And
0: I, I don't think they met up. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm presuming that they never met each other.
1: That's gotcha. really surprising, because I know Durranoff was super amped to play a blue deck. I was actually excited to see it. I actually lent him some cards for it, so a little bit surprising.
0: Yeah, I, I really don't know what happened, any of the details there, but I'll have to ask Justin what happened there. So who do we got up here next, Josh?
3: Next up, we've got NCSU B, or NCSU 31SB against Blyven. Metalworker Stacks against Delver, or Four-Color Delver, and Blyden took it down. Nice.
1: And I mean... what is this the one that you... Did you call Stacks on that, Andy? Do you remember? Ah, uh, I think I might have called
0: Stacks on this one. Yeah. Just because of the success that I've had against Delver with it.
1: I think I probably picked I'm hoping I picked Delver just cuz it's a clanny and Metalworker Stax is not my favorite deck but I could see I could see where it'd be really close
0: Yeah I think die roll is really really important in that type of a match I mean Stax always has difficulty dealing with something like a turn 1 Delver
1: but um yeah, and, and up next, it's really my turn to go, but I'm going to go ahead and switch with you, AJ. Why don't you bring us into the next one here?
2: Okay, so... Um, yeah, my match versus Bizarre of Baghdad... Um, I guess this was a mirror match. The problem was that one of my combo pieces permitted him to win immediately with one of his combo pieces. Uh, but the way that he constructed his deck as an actual Helmline deck instead of with Rest in Peace, he could... Prior to the game even starting, target me with one of the combo pieces, uh, but not himself. Uh, so I thought I had a really, uh, really low chances of, I lost game one after mulling to three. Um, you can watch that video on our YouTube channel at MTGO Academy, but it, that's beside the point. Games two and three, I got lucky I boarded into the dude plan and boarded out my combo and got, uh, I think I picked some lucky med mage picks. Um, I don't really know what happened, but I know that I had some one ones and two twos swinging all the way, and Bizarre was mana screwed, in a uh, game three, until he was mana flooded. So I don't know. He was like screwed for two turns and then flooded. I felt like I got lucky. That's what I gotta say about that.
1: Yeah, it was a that was a really interesting match coming in. That was like one of the ones, uh, definitely that I was looking at because you're you're playing something that definitely different from what you've been playing, which is the, this deck is not as excuse the term cheeky, but it's not as cheeky as some of the decks that I've seen you run it. I mean, this looks like a legit control build, and it looks like something ported out of Legacy, almost. Almost like uh, like the decks that are doing well in Legacy. There are a lot of R.I.P. combo decks uh, right now. And uh, Bazaar's deck was a lot more unfair, but I think it, it's maybe a lot less resilient. Although it has multiple paths to victory, you know, you have just other things you can do. And uh, by that, I mean turn dude sideways. Uh, yeah, and Meddling
0: Mage is also
1: really huge
0: in a match like this. I mean, knowing what, what's in his deck, I mean, you can clearly see that. When you pop a Meddling Mage down and you put it on Helm of Obedience when he's got a line of the Void on the table, that's a pretty powerful play.
2: No, I think that was a serious problem from him, and I don't really know what was in his hand. Um, so maybe someone does, or maybe someone's seen the match from his perspective. So I, I can't attest to how successful my Meddling Mage choices were. Um, but I I know for a fact that it seemed like he was drawing off the top of his deck, at least at some points. And there were a couple lucky draws that I had, even after he, uh, tried to duress me, found no counterspells, etc. Um, so I, I can't exactly attest to what happened from his end. Uh, I just know that, uh, Zach, I think you're right, that his deck, maybe being a little less resilient in terms of being able to cope with a meddling mage with a lot of time, uh left over to still pull off the combo. I'm not sure he was able to do that. Also, I want to give props to Magus of the Unseen. Um, <laughs>
0: Best beatdown ever.
2: Well, yeah, apparently that 1-1 one, one really takes it all the way. But uh, some some other points in Magus's favor, it can take a time vault as many times as you need it to. And it, um, there are also some situations in which you can combo off in this matchup before... Uh, Bizarre could, because you can activate it in response to him activating Helm and then target him with it if there's a rest in peace on the board. And so those are just some things to note. Hey, interesting, I never thought of that.
1: But. The, the really interesting thing, I'm glad you said that, and I was actually having a conversation with him about it. Um, after the match, he was telling me he's like, yeah dude, I was really close to the uh, Time Vault combo. And I'm like, dude why would you ever play out Time Vault? And he's like, well he tapped out at some point, point. I'm like, "Well, he untaps." I mean, it's not like you're going to put the whole combo out in one turn. That, to me, that play and that card made it really dangerous because uh, Josh and Andy, you guys know that card. Not only do you get control of it, but you also untap it, and that—that's
2: like like you're saying, AJ. That's ridiculous.
1: That's uh,
2: well. Here, here's the key part. When it goes back to them, it taps beforehand. So if you do it during their turn. Um, you can activate the time vault, and then I, it goes back to them, but it's tapped by the time it goes back to them. Um, also, it makes Blightsteel a problem. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a cool card, and it's one we don't see a lot of here, but I, I kind of like, I look at that in the same vein I look at, uh, would you guys agree that's a lot like uh, Mox Monkey? We don't see that a lot just because we don't deal with it a lot? You know what I'm saying? Mox Monkeys, just yeah. a, a huge card in vintage, right? Definitely. And a lot of people play Soul Ring and, and and Mana Crypt and even Pedals that they don't want to crack or Lions Eye Diamonds or what have you. And you don't see a lot of Mox Monkeys either. Yeah, well, like Sol a Sol
2: lot of Ring people don't almost play almost,
1: Red oh, bass.
0: Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to comment with reference to the monkeys. A lot of people don't play Red Bases. Like you're not seeing a lot. Of, I, I see the Monkey and thing, like green, green, red beats type decks. You don't see a lot of that in Classic, but it's a good point, Zach.
2: I, I would go so far as to say the Gorilla Shaman's ability is almost prohibitively expensive with respect to cards like Soul Ring, or even uh, Mana Vault. Um, the fact that you have to pay XX1, unless that's a zero cast, I feel like this card is pretty bad in the mid, uh, until the mid or late game.
0: Goblin, Goblin Vandal
2: probably looks better
0: in classic right now than the monkey does
1: well next up why don't you go ahead and take that one andy
0: well yeah i uh, was playing against Neoto with his Tesserator, and yeah we have this video as well down at uh, in our future matches so feel free to take a look at both uh, aj's match and mine and uh yeah, this was um, a little bit unfortunate for Naoto in this match. He, he had some difficulty getting uh, ahead of my spheres. I mean, basically, game one, I got a metal worker out and uh, uh, a Lodestone Golem, and I had a uh, sphere down and, you know, Strip Mine. So that was basically that. And uh, game two, he um, also had a lot of difficulty with mana. He was facing down a Turn 1 Crucible. From me with a with a strip mine, and turn two, I strip mined him and planted myself a metal worker. And the following turn, I ended up comboing him out with my staff. So he just had uh, had a pretty rough match there, and uh, the cards fell into my lap pretty nicely that game. So it was uh, it was pretty good for me. Good start.
2: Well, I know he's got a bunch of mana artifacts, but he only has sixteen lands in his deck. Yeah. That's not very many to be fighting stacks. Especially if he ends up in the draw.
0: Well, that's it. Uh, he basically—I I actually don't think he had any of his ramp versus me in game one, anyways. But uh, that was a big decider in me playing a turn one sphere over going for a turn one lo- or uh, meta worker. as I wanted to be able to slow down his ability to play his ramp. So, yeah. But sixteen lands is always a cheat, in my opinion, against uh, you know the full sphere stacks builds.
1: Yeah, that's rough. When you're running as many or more spheres than he has lands.
0: Now, yeah, pretty pretty close. So, who do we have up uh, next here, guys?
1: Next up, we have the Wolf Two, who was on Affinity against W.D. Grant, who's on Dredge. And this is kind of like, ugh, what a disgusting battle of, ugh. <laughs> ugh. But Affinity took the ugh in this one and uh, he took it to Dredge. And I think W.D. Grant's another one of the new players, but you'll notice I think that's a real classic deck. I mean, I think he's definitely going for it. He has the uh, four bridges, four bazaars, and all the dredgers. So um, better luck next round, dude. Keep your head up, and uh, deck looks cool. And Affinity is pretty much Affinity, and I think the Wolf's been playing it for a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting deck choice is main, uh, WD Grant does, that I find a little bit interesting. I can't honestly say I've ever seen main deck ingot chewers. I don't think, um, Graft Digger's Cage's main deck are predominant enough to, to indicate using those main, but other than that, the deck looks pretty stock to me.
3: Yeah, he just obviously doesn't have that much experience playing Dredge yet. Um, he made a couple of mistakes that I think he can avoid in round two, and he's got a good deck, so I applaud him for bringing it out. He, Instead of mulling to a bazaar, he kept like a six-card hand and um, Cabal Therapy to dredger into his graveyard, but didn't draw any dredge guys after that. So
0: That's never a good plan when you're playing dredge, though. You mull until you get a bazaar, unless it's game three and you're casting creatures. That's the rule.
1: Yeah, and Andy's right, and I think hopefully he'll, he'll learn from that. It's, it's, you know, it's do or die on that. And that's, you know, like I said that, that, like I said last week when we were talking about it, that's the reason I won the finals is because dude couldn't find that last bazaar. Game three, couldn't find it. So sometimes you just got to go for it.
2: Can, can I make a really unpopular claim right now? I'm going to actually defend the wolf and his repeated running of affinity builds. Like, let's be honest, we should be able to deal with this, right? Like, affinity should. We should be able to metagame such that we can beat affinity. Like, that's largely what I wanted to do this tournament. I wanted to be able to find an energy field and have him have only two answers namely, memory jar and strip mine.
0: Let me tell you something.
2: AJ, I've,
0: I've, there's nobody in classic that's taken a worse beating from affinity than me. And I have, I've actually played in tournaments or two mans and things like that. And I have had my deck completely titrated to beat affinity. And sometimes I can get through it and there's just times it doesn't matter what you have in your deck, you will lose to that deck. Like I'm spot removal is not good abrupt decays and source to Plowshares and nature's claims these are not good enough typically against affinity in my experience you need to have something like something like a stony silence or a null rod is very good against the deck
2: yeah even Pithing needle i think does what it needs to do it's it's good against skull clamp for sure and ravagers uh,
0: which is obviously too very large to use deck but i just find with that deck you know, you go that route, you drop yourself with Sony Silence, and you're feeling all smug for a second, and then the next thing you know, you're facing down two lodestones. And Like, it can hit you from different angles. It can hit you with a tangle wire. Like, it's a frustrating deck. I, I think the way to beat Affinity is through combo.
1: Well, do you remember, I think it's a really funny, it's a good thing to touch on, because this is actually a lesson that I learned last league, and Josh and Andy should be able to back me up on this. And that is, I built a deck. Do you guys remember? I built that deck pretty much for affinity. Yeah. That blue-white, uh, the, uh, the, library deck yeah. with the birds and you draw cards and it was literally just built to combat affinity. I mean, that's what I was running the deck. I was running champion, uh, uh, the Kawagawa guy's main deck, the one in a white. And, I mean, literally, I game-planned for Affinity. And you know what happened? I didn't see Affinity one time. And I would have smashed it. But I didn't see it one time. So don't get that. Metagaming for some things definitely doable. But being able to play against that deck is sometimes the worst part. That's why... I think that's why this time, like, I just decided I was going to try Combo again. Because it's like... Either you do your thing or you don't do your thing, but you're still going to do your thing. When a deck, when you're fighting one type of deck, you're just trying to prevent them from doing their thing, and that can bite you in the butt.
0: I'll say it. I, can't, I hate Affinity.
2: How, how good is Seeds of Innocence against it? I know with the Lodestone Golems, it's not that great, because Seeds of Innocence that cost Green Green 2 are terrible. Yeah. But, um, yeah. What's the verdict on that?
1: It's it's not I mean, I don't think that's good enough that, it, so yeah, I mean affinity's one of those beasts, I think if I remember correctly uh Andy Josh and I spent about an hour and a half after recording, just like going through all the things that could beat affinity, and remember guys, we were talking about like sideboard options and stuff
3: peacekeeper, I remember being thrown out,
1: yep, there we that went. guy's savage, serenity's pretty good. Serenity, yeah, I definitely ran some of those on the board. The problem, even with Serenity, is you have to wait a damn turn. Giving somebody a time walk sucks.
2: Yeah, I really feel like you almost have to play Artifacts <laughs> because of Lodestone Golem. The other the other horrible part is um, uh, Tanglewire now. That's the thing that makes me the saddest.
1: Oh, Tanglewire's a beast. Tanglewire's, I think, one of the primary reasons that... Uh Nature's Claim became really popular because, you know, that's the kind of card you can usually still play because remember in Vintage they're Chalicing for 0, not 1. So, or at least at first. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you, you definitely uh, you definitely need some of that removal for stuff like uh, Tangle Wire. Ugh. Yeah,
0: Tanglewire's a beating for sure. And I, and I think it was an excellent addition to Affinity. Gave the deck a different gear.
1: Definitely. Who Here. we got next, Josh?
3: So up next we have Caliban on Affinity again versus Uvatha with a blue-red Niv Delver deck. And Affinity took that one down, which I don't think any of us are that surprised by that. No.
1: Oh AJ, I bet you gotta be so excited about those Niv
2: Yeah, man. Uh, certainly. Uh, <laughs> hang on, I'm still getting recovered from. Uh, let's see. Hang on, I'm 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 trying to re-follow along here. I apologize the delay. Oh my God, the Niv Mega says that's what that guy is. That guy. Yeah. Okay. Oh, dude. So I have a com- I've got a comment about that guy. I think that guy sucks. Even though I really wish you were good. <laughs>
0: He's pretty good with Flusterstorm.
2: No, yeah, he's good with Flusterstorm, but then, like, I don't know, Swords to Plowshares makes that guy look silly. I don't know. You can Pithing Needle him. I, you can I don't know. A I, lot I, of I played things. against him before. He, I feel bad for people running him because I wish you were better than he is.
1: You know what I kind of like about it is the fact that you really can, if your spell gets countered, you get to get some use out of it. Um, in a deck like this, he's going to be using some... Like, Just for example, right? If this guy wants to get some extra utility out of this and Mental Misstep's not huge in his matchup, he can do things like play a Brainstorm and Mental Misstep it and draw the card countering his own Mental Misstep before it counters his spell. But even that's really cutesy. You know what I mean? It's, you don't need to do that. Uh Ground... Oh, I, I... Oh, guys. Oh, my God, guys. We're we're all goobers. I, I good on you, Yuvatha. I just noticed. You notice he's playing Ground Rift. Yeah. You notice he's playing Flusterstorm. Yeah. Yeah. You know how many counters you get from those two cards?
2: You get a friggin' boatload. It's
1: it's
0: good
2: game, is what it is. Yeah, ground. I actually think you should be running more ground drift and fluster storms, despite the utility that fluster storm has. I don't know. I, I can't. I can't get behind Niv Magus Elemental. I think it would be a better creature if it cost two mana. The fact that it can be misstepped. I don't know.
1: I let's see. I like it. I really like the fact that he has the snapcaster for reusability on the fluster storm. I mean, oh my God, this is like he. This guy is one of those guys who doesn't need the fast bond with the gush. I mean, he can just make some magic happen. I don't know why I didn't notice that before. It just dawned <laughs> on me right now that that is a, that's a okay win condition. I I couldn't figure out what the hell he was doing with these things before, but it just dawned on me now. Good on you, Yuvatha. That's cool. I mean, it's sad that you got that one matchup where all your counter magic means jack crap.
3: But you need a grape, but,
1: grape shot. Yeah, you do need a grape shot. But definitely cool. I didn't even see that. Did you guys see that?
3: No, I I didn't. This is is basically a classic port of a build that was popular for like a day in Modern. Yep.
0: What's his name? uh, Built that deck. Um, Jerry Thompson. Jerry Thompson.
2: Definitely cool. I like it. Can I I ask real quick, why is this deck playing... I'm gonna sound like an idiot maybe to you guys. Why is this deck playing Gush? Um like it's a t- spell. Yeah, but I I okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like uh I, I mean I I know why Gush is good, but why isn't why isn't that like preordained?
1: Well because all his spells, if you notice, are one and two, right?
2: Yeah. So the it's whole point
1: easy. with this deck is he can do some crazy things with Gush that you can't do with other cards. Like, for one, it returns lands to his hand and maximizes Brainstorm for it. So if he's mid-game and he draws a fetch off one of those lands, or he has a fetch in hand and he has a Brainstorm, that Gush is a lot better because he doesn't need those lands. The,
2: the no, no, I, I got that. I, I guess just like looking at it and doing the intuitive math, I don't see that many islands in his deck. Certainly not enough to consistently even be able to use Gush. Gush is almost unusable off of Snapcaster Mage, and I feel like drawing the two cards and losing the tempo is sometimes so severe. And and granted, his deck, he's only running guys that cost one and two. Yeah, it's fast. That's what
0: I was going to say. Well,
1: this this is what I say to that. Notice there's only four total lands in his deck. That he cannot use gush what?
2: I see five, no. Um?
1: No, every one of those gets
2: an
3: island. Well, I see I the mountain and the strip mine in the wasteland. He's trying is there to build a strip stuff. mine?
1: Oh, five cards. Yeah, my bad. I didn't see the strip mine. It was under my screen. But yeah, five cards out of the whole deck are non-islands and those are going to be in your bin anyway. You don't play with a strip mine in a wasteland. You don't cast spells off it. So, in reality, every one of his functional lands outside a mountain. I, I, I totally advocate Gush in this.
3: I think his ideal opening is just to go, like, turn one, Niv Magus, turn two, tap your lands, Gush, cast a lightning bolt, and then cast a ground rift and exile it all to Niv Magus and hit him for ten or whatever.
1: I, yeah, and, and I the only thing I'll disagree with there would be I'd be turn three. Because it's land, land. Then turn three... You know, after you do a threat or two, you have full capability to maximize your land and then still put one into play, gain incremental advantage off a brainstorm, etc., etc.
3: But whatever, you get my meaning, though. I do. he just I wants know. to build a little storm count with it and hit for a lot with the elemental.
2: I should, I should uh, launch the caveat that I actually think that this deck is really cool, <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad he's playing it, and I want it to succeed. I have just never... I haven't yet been intimidated by a Niv-Megas all Fair enough.
1: I don't think I've ever played one.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I've, I've never lost it to it tournament. I don't know.
1: Well, the next deck is just as cool. Um, we got Thorm on uh, Red-Blue Sniper. <laughs> and we'll get to Sniper in just a minute. Against the Wild Dog, who won on Red-Blue-Green Delver. You know, I mean, I think we called this before we started, just mostly because it's a clan bias, and Wild Dog's a good guy and a good clanny and a good player, so we went with him, I think. But, Thormy, Thorm, Thormy—I don't know how to pronounce his name—but he definitely has an interesting build. What do you guys think about that?
0: I'm excited to see Gutter Snipe. I think that's this card's really cool in this type of a build. He's just—did you see the I I did. We do have this match. Yep. Did and I actually saw his match, his match tonight as well, his round two match. Yep, he did. Was it cool? Yep. Uh, I don't think it was too cool against the Wild Dog, because I don't think it uh, it lasted long, because he was uh, facing down uh, almost a mirror match, minus the Gutter snipe. so he was up against Lightning Bolts and that sort of thing. But um, I, I did see his match tonight, and uh, Gutter snipe did stay into play, and it was definitely a player That's in the game. I'm
1: uh, TWD's only running two bolts. That sucks. It's bad luck.
0: Yeah, don't don't quote me on that, but uh, as I recall it, uh, it, it didn't have a, a lasting effect on the board. But I think that you know it's it's an interesting piece of tech because you know in these uh, Snapcaster Delver type builds, they are predominantly spells. You get your cheap creatures on the board and you protect them with spells. And Gutter Snipe fits that archetype.
1: Storm counts you know, it, don't trigger that, do they?
3: No, Uh, they don't. I wouldn't think so.
1: Yeah, they're just copies. They're not casted. It's when you
0: cast, yeah. But, you know, when you're getting extra value off things like Snapcasters and all these many, many spells that he has, I mean, it it really doesn't take too long to deal a large amount of damage. So I I quite like the deck. What do you guys think?
3: I have a ridiculous Gutter Snipe deck built with Pyromancer's Ascension. (laughs) <laughs> it's pretty stupid. But I like the card.
1: Oh,
0: it was terrible and limited, I can tell you that much.
2: I, I had it enough.
1: Yeah, he's mediocre what? at
2: best. I mean, you just gotta see
1: him as a 2 2 for 3.
2: Now, what do you guys think about Vandal Blast in the board?
1: God, see, so What do you think about Vandal cards.
2: Blast in general?
0: You're I like
2: making,
1: it. You're making me look this stuff up here, buddy. What is this?
3: Yeah,
0: it's a five caster overload, and you know, I i would say this: uh, it's very difficult to cast an overload against something like stacks, and I think it's also very difficult to be alive at five mana against Affinity. So, I as much as I think it could be good, I think it's not that good against the archetypes a card like that would be good at. That's my my interpretation.
2: Well, one thing that's interesting about it is that it cannot be misdirected back into one of your own artifacts. And I don't think that that's relevant here, but it struck me as potentially relevant in some circumstance.
1: Now, I don't know the name of the Oh, I do know the name of the card. Shattering Spree is, is better than this card on every single possible level for Classic.
3: I think that's basically what... Because I had this in our set review, Zach. Yeah. I think it was just you and I there for that one. I think we said that exact same thing. i just have Shattering Spree instead. Yeah,
2: agree. Yeah. He doesn't was... have that much red, though. Maybe that. I mean, maybe that's the issue. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm inclined to think that this... I mean, it's not optimal. It's still a sorcery, right?
3: Yeah, he's got nine possible red sources, so...
2: I'd rather just have an extra energy
0: flux personally, but that's me.
1: Next up, we have Enderfall on bug control against Mooncon on good game oath, and this is one of these uh clanny on clanny violence matches where you're like, "Oh god, somebody's got to lose, huh?" But it looks like uh Mooncon took this, and I think this is uh this is recorded, right guys?
3: Yeah, we've got this one. It was a pretty good match, I have to say. Um, Enderfall basically had answers that he needed, and Mooncon just had the next one better.
0: And Library Alexandra was a very big player in that match.
3: Yep.
2: Can I ask whether Venser ever made a showing? Because I think he's the second best creature in the format. Right under Frost Titan, obviously. <laughs>
1: No,
0: he didn't show up in that match. But that would be the, the match where he would shine the most against a, a Show type build.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
3: I always use White Knight as my oath target. That first strike's hard to beat.
1: <laughs> <sighs> Next up, uh, who we got? You. you. Me? Okay next up uh, was blue diamonds on good game oath against myself on flashing rectum and if you guys don't know the backbone of the naming convention for this deck was flash an academy rector into play and we just flash our rectum so uh, this was an interesting matchup uh, one of the the real Genesis turning points of the deck when when Josh and I and the clan were like really kind of like talking about it was when we talked about Either doing a transformational sideboard or generally adding green. And initially, it was, uh, it was, hey, Josh, you know what I really miss? What? Channel, love channel and an emerald. And we talked about it for a little while, and Josh was like, "Well, we got green, why not throw in, you know, a few oaths in the sideboard?" And you know, looking at the main deck, it totally made sense. And so, before this tournament even started, we we uh, added four orchards to the main. To really support the channel, and we took out the in the beginning portions of the deck, we had a lot of the the two lands like Ancient Tomb
2: and uh, City of Traders. City of Traders, yeah. But so, so did you guys think about putting one main deck oath in?
1: We did, and we well, that's actually it's funny you say that. It's something we talked about afterwards. the The, the problem is, and and I, I maintain that it's probably correct not to, is just because half the time you're going to hit an Academy Rector.
2: Yeah, that's pretty embarrassing.
1: And, I mean, playing a uh, Oath and, like, sitting there with your flinch, your your fist clenched, and, you know, waiting to just, like, punch your opponent in the face with a huge monster and you get a squire. It's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> so, really, I mean, in, in the sideboard plan, obviously, with the Oath, that's exactly what comes out. You don't want to hit those. It's very clean, and... uh It's just, uh, it's, 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 we're happy with the changes we made, and I, and I think I, I commented on this a little bit before the match started, saying, wow, so happy we put those orchards in playing against Oath. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely an interesting set. I think we have this recorded. We do, right?
3: Yep, Yep. going up as well.
1: And, uh, game one, really, I made, like, the biggest rookie mistake, and I was so mad at myself. I, uh, I, I, like I said last week, I, submitted a wrong version of the deck, I have Vindicate instead of Beast Within, but I kept jokingly saying, ah, well, at least I can kill a Library of Alexandria if it gets out of, out of whack, you know what I mean? Obviously, it doesn't trigger the Oath or anything else, but that's the one thing it does have, is it can kill land permanence. And, uh, wouldn't you know, my first non-mana play, I played a few uh, Petals, was Vindicating a Library of Alexandria, and that was hilarious. Uh, but then later that game, I had a Jace, and I was getting ready to make a strong play. I played a Cabal Therapy, and I saw his hand was Mana Crypt, something else, and uh, a Lightning Bolt. And I was so ecstatic and hasty to get my Jace down without getting countered with blue, I immediately drew three and slapped myself on the forehead before the ability even resolved, because I had a Lightning Bolt headed right to it. That sucked. I ended up losing that game to a resolved Oath. Which should have never even come to that. I, I should have resolved that Jace he should have stuck around. Should have had him draw two. Or look at the top of his deck. Or even mine. Because I think I brainstormed the turn before. But uh, I couldn't do that. So I screwed that up. Lost game one. Game two, I played it really tight. And I built up double force of will backup. Channel bam. And uh, that won that one. And then game three, I had one of those ridiculous hands that you dream about. Which was orchard, pedal, channel... Emrakul bath back up, so that was uh, it's pretty ridiculous. And uh, I think the other card was a demonic tutor, ironically enough. So it was it was definitely a, a good match. Uh, I won. I think I got lucky to win after that huge mistake in game one where I just basically punted it. But definitely
2: fun.
3: So have you guys channel. ever?
2: Oh, go ahead, go ahead, because I was gonna ask about channel.
3: I'm just glad glad we added it now.
2: Have you ever have you ever played Channel in order to play a Blightsteel Colossus because you didn't have an Emrakul in your hand?
1: I have, yeah. Actually, multiple times. It's, uh, it's a pretty huge deal. Um, funny enough, I've done some pretty weird things with Channel 2. I had uh, four lands, and I actually channeled to play out a Yoggmoth's Bargain for the other two mana, which was pretty embarrassing until I got the bargain resolved, and then I had a lot of free mana to float. You could do some crazy things. Uh...
0: That's why that card's restricted. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty ridiculous. And the, the, the cool thing about the deck is just that it has so many different avenues to victory. You shut off one channel, there's like four more. <laughs> Excuse the pun.
2: <laughs> so so here's the thing that I really think is cool about this list, besides the accidental include of Vindicate, which I think is awesome, but um, that you can board in Graph Digger's Cage and none of your combo pieces, besides maybe Tinker, really care about the fact that you did that. And so it gives you this cool advantage against Oath. Oh, yeah. Where you don't have to transform.
1: The cool thing is Tinker is only half impacted. You can keep in the other half of that combo. Time Vault Key. Because it's only creatures. So Tinker's fine to leave in. See,
0: the thing that I think is cool is I really like the addition of Forbidden Orchard into that deck because it, it, it makes you not scared of Oath of Druids. Go ahead and play your Oath. I've got exactly as many Forbidden Orchards as you do in your deck and that's the key to that
1: match. And I've probably so, got more tutors. Almost certainly.
2: I know so, that's pretty awesome. It, I guess it's a little worse if your opponent's running a skull clam. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who cares about that?
1: See and that's that's kind of the the big thing is this, and and we did some testing. I was, I had early uh, great results against stacks and affinity, and then I had late terrible results against stacks and affinity. It's like, like we were talking about before the cast. AJ, Classic's so swingy. You know, you play these cards and you think you're in a great position, and they can draw one card, one card off the top, and they're completely out of it. And uh, it's like that a lot in classic. Like all, all. For example, I, I, I was keeping a hand against Affinity, and I'm like, pfft, I got this so easy. It was very similar to my other hand, except instead of Channel, I had a Mystical. So I had Petal, Land, Mystical Tutor, Emrakul, and Force of Will Backup, I think. And I'm like, uh, Mystical Tutor, and I went and I grabbed a, uh, obviously, a Channel. And on his turn, he's like, okay, Workshop, Mana Crypt, Thorn, Thorn. And I was like, "Oh, oh, because I countered the first one, and he still got the other one out, and it's like just like, seriously, how can that happen? You know what I mean? You have it sewn up, but it's it's all about it, classics pretty variance, dude. I mean, it just i I'm, I'm starting to just think it's like one of those things you you can play as well as you want, and sometimes you just can't win. Turn one, look at game three of my last match. I got really lucky.
0: I can honestly say there are few plays in Magic that are better than a turn one channel bam. God, is that exhilarating?
1: Oh yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. It's it's one of the best feelings in the game. When you're like, when you, the funniest thing is, um, the second part of the combo is not as important because it's all about the channel. If that channel doesn't get countered, Emerkal's coming into play. You can't counter it. So you get that feeling as soon as that channel's on the stack. You're, like, sitting there, and me, dude, I always get really nervous because I'm sitting there, like... Because they always wait a second, right? Even if they don't have the counterspell, even if it's Affinity. They'll wait a second. And you're like, oh, please, please, please. And then if it gets through, you're right, dude. That's, like, one of the best feelings in the game. For sure. Well, well done, buddy. Thanks. Um, Who we got next? Who
0: do we have next? We've got is Ilskin. And he's on Shoth, and he's playing one of our clannies, backguds, who's on Stacks. And Ilskin actually took this one home. Um, what type of Stacks is uh backguds playing? So he's on a Smokestack version. He's got his Karns and his Smokestacks. And, but as Stacks can be sometimes, it uh, certainly can be vulnerable to, to an Oath of Druids or a show and tell. So that's not necessarily a surprise.
1: Yeah, that's, that's just kind of rough. I mean, really, that was... Wouldn't you say, Josh, that was the main reason for the oaths, was stacks?
3: Yeah, for sure. Because uh, we're kind of cheating on land a bit, and um, we need that two-mana answer like that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we... we yeah. And and that, that was really just... Oh, man am I glad we added oaths. Because those were like the last few days before the event we uh we decided to do that. I think it's it's huge.
3: And Forbidden Orchard just makes sense anyways as a rainbow land. We just said we don't really care about one ones, so
1: Exactly. My omniscience does not fear your one ones.
2: Do you guys notice that Ilskins running a deck that's one of the old sixty one card specials?
3: Yeah, I didn't notice that.
1: <laughs> no, I didn't. Sixty one, huh? Nice.
3: Had to fit the extra
1: Extra
0: dude, he has three Extra dudes. Dude. <laughs> yeah, and Backguds is not built to really fight Oath. That's not something that he's addressed in his main deck or his sideboard outside of the Graph Diggers. Like he's not really running duplicants or Caracas or anything of that nature. Which is yeah. which is a, which is a bit surprising because, as we discussed on the last podcast, I mean, we certainly anticipated a, a moderate amount of Oath in this tournament because of the the uprise of the creature decks.
1: Yeah, I I think we expected a little bit more than there even is, didn't we?
3: Well, you (laughs) predicted 10, and I predicted 6.
1: I predicted 30.
0: I have the numbers. The question is how many Ult decks are there?
1: Not even close to what I said. Obviously. Shut up. (laughs) So, uh, AJ, you want to take us into the next one with your buddy?
2: Yeah, so I talked to Chris about this one, but I didn't get to watch it, unfortunately. It sounded like, um, there this is what Chris tells me anyway, that there were play mistakes on both sides, um, but that there were more play mistakes on Chris's side. What he tells me is that he could have pulled off, I think, Game 2, but may have missed a trigger or something, and um, ended up losing to a million zombies, but... He went O two, so, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what the details were. And he's playing a deck that doesn't have Frost Titan in it, so, I, you know, I don't see how he could beat Dredge, really. Yeah, that's
3: on him, really, at that point. Right. You know, he's got actually
0: some... Uh, he's obviously cheated in the sideboard, that Chris has, with reference to, to Dredge. He's only got two Ley Lines of the Void and one Tormod's Crypt, but he actually has some reasonable main deck answers to Dredge if Dredge just doesn't go off one. He's got two so, Death shamans and four Scavenging Uses, which... So, you know.
2: Yeah, you, you guys talked about this last time, and I listened intently to this part. This is a discussion that Chris and I have had a lot of times, actually, and we think that the most effective way to dealing with Dredge is with a card like Pithing Needle or just with LD. Um, and so if you're running the Strip Mine and full wasteland package you got a pretty good shot of being able to pull something off even in game one um so the the logic of designing this deck originally and this is more chris's deck than it is mine certainly is that you have enough cards in the main to be able to get rid of uh their bridge from below uh in in game one at least at least in terms of the drudge matchup and uh then you have just a couple extra tools for games two and three, and hopefully you can actually pull off uh, game one. So uh, is it optimized to beat dredge? I don't think so. Uh, but having those tools in the main at least gives you a shot at dealing with uh, the bizarre, especially when you've got the, the the 5X Wasteland package.
1: I don't disagree with that. And, and, you know, I I went on a tangent on this last week, and I would still go on the same tangent today because I'm so adamant about uh, Dredgers keeping Bazaar's hands only, right? But if somebody plays like Josh noted that somebody played in this tournament, then I I totally take my agreement away. I mean, it's totally a fair deck at that point. You know, if if you play against somebody who doesn't keep a Bazaar Baghdad, even if you're not playing Land Destruction, you have a hell of a shot. And I'm, I'm not oh. joking.
2: I always oh, so assume sure. that they're going to play Bizarre. I, if they don't lead off with of a Bizarre, I just assume that the, the game is. I don't know, that they must have something weird going on because I've never played against Dredge and felt like I was losing when they didn't have a Bizarre. I will say that I have lost to Dredge without a Bizarre twice.
0: In game threes, where I have solely gone for hands with uh, Ley Lines of the Voids and. You know, Tormod's Crips, and uh, the one against the wild dog in particular, where wild dog kept a hand of seven, and he he went on the beatdown against me. He had a couple lands in his hands, and uh, he was able to cast blood gas against me. And yeah, I mean, I just had nothing. I, I strictly went for graveyard, and it's a gamble. And I I beat them more often than not when they try that, but I've definitely lost to that type of approach.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly parallel to what. AJ and Ben uh Bazaar just went through. I mean, the one one beatdown can kill you. It can. And if you can't do anything about it, you're gonna you're gonna face the wrath. But yeah, definitely oh. definitely a rough uh a rough out on the first matchup to play against the the one is it the one dredge deck or is there two? No, there's I two there W D group two.
2: So I want to focus on one more thing in Chris's deck that we talked about to see what you guys think about this. Look in the sideboard and see the one of illness in the ranks. It's the one that's got the ugly centaurs who look sick. In the yeah, art? this could be good. Yeah, so the logic is that this card is pretty good against Oath, and that it gives you as much time as you want, if you're able to land it, to just sit there and play lands until you want to win with whatever in the late game.
0: This is what I have to say about this card. Okay, and, and and the reason I don't like the logic on this card is because you are a creature based deck. So if you have this thing in the board to negate tokens, oh, it, it only hits tokens. Okay, that definitely changes my opinion. No, that's a no, possibility. No, you then you were
1: on the right track, bro. Yeah, You're right. Because he's
0: creatures. triggered play on
2: creatures. creatures, and he's running them.
0: Yes, that's where I was oh. going with that.
2: You just don't play them. I mean it's it's a, it's a weird. It's a weird, like, decision to have to make in the early game. It just also has some degree of efficacy against Dredge because their zombie tokens are smaller and against affinity builds that run, uh, Genesis Chamber or whatever it is. Uh, so it gives you a, a tiny bit of efficacy against those. We were just hoping to test it out and see how it worked. Well, um, I, mean, I don't think that we had a chance.
1: I see, is that, is, is, wait, is that an out or no? Viridian Shaman? No, is that only Artifact?
2: Yeah, that card sucks.
1: Oh, Zealot. Okay, so Viridian Zealot. You do have one out to Oath, mate. And also Abrupt Decays, I guess. So I I could see why that would be... AJ, um, let me ask you this.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt, Zach. Why not a Craft Digger's Cage?
2: No, that's a good question. Um, I guess the logic would be that he's running Green Sun Zenith. And so you don't want to uh, disrupt your own GSZ... Um, many, and again, yeah, the uh, uh, Illness in the Ranks has some degree of efficacy against Affinity and Dredge, and also it's an enchantment which makes it slightly more resilient.
0: Okay, I can see the GSE argument for sure. If he's running a toolbox, then it may be not as good, but I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a questionable card. We looked at it as a fringe playable in sideboards when it came out, and we just wanted to get a chance to test it.
3: Everyone should I just run four orchards.
1: Can I say, more for comic relief than anything else, that Josh and I, and the original iteration of this deck, Josh, do you remember the sideboard card we were running? <laughs> uh, human frailty? Human frailty, gentlemen. Yeah.
0: It's an instant, right? One casting cost, black, instant, destroy target human?
3: Exactly. What were we trying to kill, though? There was uh, something. Pretty
1: much everything that was being run at the time, which was like... Uh, Noble Hierarchs, uh, Delvers, uh, Bobs... Uh, it was my
0: Pious Humans, wasn't it, that sent you over the top? No,
1: was no, it? it was well before Pious...
0: No, it was in,
3: like, August, yeah.
1: <laughs> but we were totally convinced. We were like, oh, this will be awesome!
2: <laughs> yeah, that seems better than Disfigure.
3: It was already, like, 11 <laughs> o'clock by then, after, like, three hours of talking about things, but...
1: The rest of the deck was pretty cool.
3: Yeah, I
1: guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, we totally diverged on that. Who do we have next, guys? We got
3: Kuribo on his Infect deck against Call Me Dragon with an Oath deck. And Oath took that one down.
1: I think that was kind of a given, right?
3: I would think so.
0: Those, those Infect decks, and uh, I, I actually... I really like Kurobo's deck, as I said in the last podcast, and those decks can just kill you in one turn. So if Call Me Dragon, you know, had a little bit of a slow start where he didn't resolve the oath, I could see this being a problem. Like it, Oh, yeah. What does he got? He, he discards a Blasphemous Act, to What's that card called?
3: Burning Shoal, or whatever.
0: Yeah, Burning Shoal. a Good game. Good game.
1: Burning Shoal. good game.
2: Yeah. <laughs> there were people who were trying that. to pilot that in Kamigawa block. I remember. I remember that.
1: Yeah, they were going to run. Because
2: that. what was the? It was the Red myogen That guy sucked. But uh, yeah, there were there was like a turn two kill in Kamigawa block, and it was terrible. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, next no.
1: up, we have who Andy.
3: Oh
0: my goodness gracious, we have got Master Sapphire with his burning long deck up against our buddy Bald Eagle with his R.I.P. combo, which is close to AJ's heart because he's running the same combo. It looks like Bald Eagle took this, and uh, I think unanimously we all said, uh, uh, as this was our uh, our feature discussion last week, our feature match, that Bald Eagle was going to take this down, and it looks like he did.
1: Definitely, congrats to you, Bald Eagle. Um, I don't know how much more we can expand on that one, but yeah,
0: I don't think we need to focus too much on that.
1: Um, next up, who we got? AJ.
2: Oh, sorry, I had myself muted there for a second. Oh, awesome! We've got uh, Slivers versus uh, the famous uh, Indian Buddhist philosopher Nagarjuna, um, and he's running Forge Master stacks. Uh, So, my guess is what happened here is that Galleon's slivers uh, were unable to hit the battlefield. Like, I imagine that Sliver Legion was sitting in his hand with a bunch of spheres coming out. And so, I would go so far as to say, if only the sliver deck played cheaper slivers, some excitement could have happened in this matchup.
3: Yeah, I tend to agree. Those high-priced slivers just don't pack the same punch they I was, used.
1: I was wondering, like, did you mean cheap monetarily,
2: or...? No, no, no. I mean ones that cost 1 and 2 mana. Um, not ones that cost 4 or 5. Those would be hard to get through lodestones. I'm
1: um, totally suppressing myself right now. For Andy.
3: But those are the good slivers, so you wouldn't probably want to bring those ones in.
2: You know what strikes me as really funny that there are a couple cards in here that I wish I were playing. I wish I were playing Curse of Exhaustion, and I kind of wish I were playing Kessig Wolf Run in Classic. Though not in the deck I'm running now. But. Why not?
3: Just throw it in, man. Just throw a couple Frost Titans in and throw a, <laughs> throw a well, Kessig Wolf Run in.
0: I think as Zach said it best in the last
3: podcast,
0: we know... That this sliver deck is going to win one or two matches in this tournament, and uh, that's just the reality because some decks cannot handle overloaded creatures. And uh, I reiterate what Zach's saying: it's going to happen.
1: I want to see him versus your stack deck.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, hoping I see him too, but I'm planning on uh, continuing to win, and uh, I think Galleon has some trouble catching up. So. <laughs> Moving right, right along here, we're going to talk about our buddy Philip J. Fry and his land still build versus uh, one of our clanmates, Fist Alpha, and he's on Helmline, and it looks like Philip J. Fry won this.
3: Um, I like that uh, I'm gathering. he calls his deck Belcher. Oh, does he? He tried to throw us all off. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. That's well.
1: Props to you, PJF. Dude, that's funny.
0: Yeah, looking at uh, Philip J. Fry's deck here, I think uh, Fist Alpha would have some difficulty getting through. He's got a real nice package of counter magic. Four mana drains. Force, force, wills. He's got uh, two mental missteps. Two mind break traps, baby. Two spell pierce. Yeah, this is a combo. I beg your pardon. This is a combo killer, as well as a misdirection. Yeah. That's not a surprise to me looking at that.
3: Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty typical. The land still decks just have too much counter magic for a deck like that. Uh, up next, we've got Nosferatu stuff uh, with a Slaver Stacks build against Doza Theog with Bug Delver.
1: Doza the OG.
3: No. It clearly <laughs> says Theog.
0: The OG. Yeah, uh, Nosferatu stuff. Yeah, I know we talked about this guy's deck uh, to, uh, quite a bit the other day. It's it's an interesting build. It's pretty cool to see Goblin Welders back again. He's got smokestacks and all sorts of cool things he can sacrifice here, like Iker Wellspring, which is a, a really unique card to see in Classic, and, of course, those four Mindslavers, which is a whole lot. Um yeah, it'll be interesting to see what this deck does. Even a Witchbane
3: orb. Or for, uh, Oath. Yeah.
2: Yeah, very nice. First so what do you, you guys think about the uh, Maelstrom Pulse? In, uh... Dotha... Zoza... foul deck.
3: Doza Thaog.
2: Thaoggy. Yeah.
3: Um, it's good. I... I would probably rather have Abrupt Decay though.
0: Well, it breeds the question is do you want a Pernicious Deed in there instead as well? I like Pernicious Deed. How many, well, creatures, how many creatures does this guy got?
3: Targeted removal and board sweepers are not really the same thing, so, you know, I just tried to stay on topic.
0: Well, that's the same cost cost.
3: I'm just giving you a hard (laughs) time
0: my goodness gracious lord almighty I digress
3: (laughs) so up next we have Wamputh with a spy combo deck against me with flashing rectum and uh this is a lot grindier of a match than Zach's basically came down to uh mistecoying with a bargain on the table to find another force of will to keep him from getting his combo down and um, yeah worked out i win go
1: cool combo versus combo
3: yeah i like his combo deck it's i think it's much less resilient though
1: yeah dude that yes, that, that yogg bargain for you did a lot of work man
3: Thanks.
0: I've got to say this uh, I really like the deck Flashing Rectum, I've been playing it quite a bit Every time you say it Yeah uh, it's, It really is a good deck It's a, a really versatile toolbox, it, it can just kill you really fast, it can have late game against you, uh, it's been a lot of fun playing it, and uh, I'm typically not combo, but uh, I just wanted to say good work guys Keep it up I'll meet you in man. the time
1: that's not what you and Charles said last week.
0: Charles was too busy uh, focusing on all the other content we had.
3: Charles is a jerk.
0: Well, I think you're uh, just jealous of his um, commentating skills. Charles could suck it. So who wants to so lead us into the round two pairings here?
3: Well, uh, are we going to go through all the pairings, or are we just going to go through our feature match?
0: All right. Let's go right into the feature match. I'm down with that.
2: Zach, why don't you why don't why don't you talk about this first? Because I wanna I, I wanna hear what you think your chances of winning are, and then I'll tell you what I think your chances of winning are.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, I think uh, you have some counter magic. I mean you don't have as many mental missteps as I would as I usually have to worry about, which is Huge for me, just from the, the the Mystical Tutor and the one-drop plan. Even if it's Brainstorm, it's pretty important. Um, at the same time, you have a couple cards that I wasn't really expecting to see, which would be, like, Detention Spear. Or the fact that you basically... I mean, I the, the, the Detention Sphere for me is a, is a little bit annoying, just because it gets rid of, like, Emrakul and cards like that, which most cards wouldn't. If I, uh, if I don't channel in my Emmerichal and I show and tell it in, it's a lot more likely to have you have an answer for it. Um, I actually, I I kind of like my chances. I, I, I don't, um, I don't fear as much, I guess, as some of the other people would, the Mist hologriffins. I mean, I see that you get to use the Force of Wolf for free and still so get to cast them.
2: Yeah, that card's, uh, that was a pretty bad decision on my part.
1: The meddling mage is obviously the card I'm most concerned about just because it you know, I'm I'm combo and it shuts things down. Um you also have a Caracas, which concerns me to an extent. I mean I've definitely, you know, played around a Caracas and it's another one of the reasons I'm so happy and so smart with my Vendicate over the Beast Within because, you know, they don't really have an answer to it. But hey, you know, what am talking
3: about? It. Doesn't Beast Within hit lands? No, it does not.
2: Yeah, it does, man.
3: Yeah, it does. <laughs> Really? I thought this was
1: non land permanent.
3: I'm just going no to But at some point, I just have to say it's better. Damn
2: it. Well. Beast Within is like the best card in Josh's Lord. deck that isn't in yours.
1: Oh, no. And we talked about it going in. That was kind of the joke. Is coming in, the change was to change from Vendicate to Beast Within. And the re- whole reason behind that was obviously it triggers Oath. And that's huge. Not only that, you know, we use it the same way we use Vendicate, but
3: I had to keep it in.
1: it's
2: color-intensive.
1: I did mine too late, sadly.
2: So, um, what was the... Maybe I don't understand. What's going on with the Perilous Research? Why that card and not uh, something else?
1: Well, Perilous Research, it has a couple of utility uses. Um, Cards like... uh, Yog Bargain, you'd think, why would you ever, ever, ever want to kill it? But it makes you skip your draw step, and if you don't get what you need and you've gotten hit a couple times, it's pretty important to get rid of it. Along with uh, the same kind of things happen with uh, the Mana Crypt, and um, most importantly, of course, is the uh, Academy Erector.
2: But that's the reason
1: we ran a card like that over something like Cabal Therapy, is just because it has more reach. Number one, it draws us into more cards if we have Omniscience. Number two, it um, gets rid of things that uh, cards like Cabal Therapy just won't.
2: Right. So um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you my sideboard tech here. Um, I think no matter what, I board in um, probably a lot of stuff because there's so much in my deck that just sucks as is. I might even board in the Supreme Verdict because I can pitch it to a Force of so Will. Yeah. Um, like, I, I tell you what, I'm not boarding and I'm not boarding in needle bugs.
1: Can I ask you? I've been waiting to ask you so long. Why, why are those there?
2: Um, I, there shouldn't be three of them. There should be two of them. They're there because you can cast them even when you've been Tangle Wired right at the beginning because you can flash them in. And they will inevitably win any game in the format, as far as I can tell, uh, where you have the, uh, they're basically a win con when you have Energy Field arrest Rest in Peace down against Affinity or, or any sort of shop build.
1: That is really interesting, so.
2: I mean, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if they're any good. I'm pretty sure they're not. And I don't think that there should be three of them. Um, in all honesty, but they're artifact creatures, so they can come down when lodestone golems are being played and stuff.
1: Well, there's always, like, three or four cards a tournament that I have to look up, and that was definitely one of them.
2: Yeah, I had to buy those before my first match.
1: (laughs) It sucked, man. I had to buy those.
2: Um, so, so I'll tell you, I don't think I have a very good shot at winning this match, but I don't have a very good shot at winning, I mean, I mean... I, I think I misbuilt the deck. I think there are some significant problems associated with Chrome Mox as a four-of alongside cards like Force of Will and then combo pieces that are worthless in a lot of matchups. So Energy Field does next to nothing against you, for instance. Um, issues like that, I think, heavily favor you in game one. Uh, the one thing that I want to uh in your head, as it were, is that I have a one of stifle in the main.
1: Yeah, I like that. Same, that's the day's trick. Show them one, and you got four.
2: Yeah, and so I'm hoping that uh, I'll be holding that when you try to flash your rector into play, or your rectum, or whatever we're calling it. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I mean, there, there's going to be something you attempt out
1: of- to stifle my rectum, sir.
2: Well, I hope that I can stifle it. There's going to be one decision point in the game or in our match no matter what where i play a meddling mage and i sit there and i'm just going to be like well if he has one of the following four cards this meddling mage is dead and it's really bad for me and i'm just going to have to name either one of them or name a mystical tutor and so that's what i think is going to happen um i don't know if i try to combo kill you or try to kill you on the ground with shitty creatures but I think I probably try to combo kill you because the attacking with one one's plan is probably pretty bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, not gonna lie, it it can be okay. Yeah, I can. Anybody who plays combo knows that you can have a, a draw, just like you know, like Ben when he was drawing dead off the top. And I think he was telling me afterwards he was drawing like flight steel colossuses and stuff. And he's like, "Yeah, I was like the worst." Same thing can happen here. I mean, you can have an emeracle and you're thinking to yourself, "I just need a mystical, I just need a mystical," and you're like, Mana Crypt. Uh, soul Ring, uh, Lotus Petal, Lotus Petal, Force of Will. And you're like, oh, come on! And it never comes. And at the same time, you know, you get a badly timed Force of Will. If I play turn one channel, that totally, totally wrecks. I mean, you're losing the channel, you're losing the pedal, and you're losing all momentum. So, it, you know, it, it's, it's a delicate balance. I feel like I'm really going to have to... Uh, I'm gonna have to play this very similar to the way I played round one, which is be a lot more sure of the combo than I think I would have to be against Affinity or somebody like that. Um, but I mean, I, I, without sounding cocky or trying to sound cocky, I think I'd win six out of ten at least.
2: Um, oh, I, I would go higher than that. I'd say I'd say uh, seven out of ten, and I think the only reason I would even include the variance of three out of ten matches in my favor. Is because uh, of your land count and the possibility of scoring a one-of counterspell against you uh, at a key moment. Yeah, I, like I think that. that's
3: it.
1: And and I think Josh, did we drop our land count because of the four petals?
3: Yeah, we just. I don't know. Really, we, we like eighteen
1: land. or nineteen?
3: Yeah, and because we had the two lands.
1: Yeah. And we were we really, like, worried about stacks at first, but really with the Oath, we got a lot less worried about it, if that makes sense, and it really doesn't, because they have Wasteland and frickin' Spheres, so
3: that sucks, but,
1: you know, here's to hoping.
3: Yeah, who would yeah. ever play that deck anyways?
2: <laughs> there, there are a lot of funny things that could happen in this matchup, though. Like, I could even land a Helm and then just start trying to mill you to to get an Emrakul and end up with a an Academy Rector.
1: Yeah, that would. You'd, Stuff get, like the, that could you'd happen. get the reverse oath.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then if it died, I'd have to find a detention sphere. <laughs> so these, these are the sorts of things that could happen. Or an energy uh, field.
1: You know, you could go for the energy field. That's
2: fine. Right, right. I guess if you're attacking with the Emrakul and I've got one of your Academy rectums, I could find a detention sphere and then detention sphere the Emrakul when I was down six permanents. All there these things go. are possible. I'm looking forward to them.
1: It's going to be a good match It'll be fun Um, Yeah, as as far as my sideboard though I think uh, i probably consider bringing in the Oaths I mean, if not the full complement of 4 At least 2 or 3 Serenity seems amazing Yeah, because of the Chrome
2: Mox Right? Like, the Serenity Foils the Chrome Mox plan Um, That's what I'm most worried about
1: well, and and it's also if you you know if you keep the combo kill in there, not a lot of time can you do the helm and the energy field in the same turn, and the problem is the serenity in between that it it can be it can be kind of rough, if you like, uh, well I guess you still get your other turn though, so that's not as good, but still it 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 hits a couple things if you get an early rest in peace for example.
2: Yeah, no, I I think you're right about that. I mean. Like, I'm looking at my sideboard now, and it seems woefully pathetic. I mean, to be honest, if you went the Oath of Druids plan, I would feel pretty good about that, I think. It makes me feel less horrible, because it gives me something to name with Meddling Mage. Uh, Then again, because I'd be naming Oath with Meddling Mage after your sideboarding, I would never know for certain if you actually boarded them in.
1: Yeah, and and I'll be perfectly honest with you. The only thing, the only combo that boards out with Oath, and that's kind of what I think makes the deck so resilient, would be the Flash Academy Rector plan. Every single other one of the win conditions are still in there, including the Tinker, Blightsteel, Tinker, Time Vault. Um, basically, just card advantage with Jacer Bargain, uh, Channel Bam, Show and Tell Omniscience, Omniscience, uh, Omniscience Bargain, etc., etc. I mean, that's the scary part, is it? it can really uh, diverge. And I'm telling you right now, I'm jinxing the crap out of this matchup because you're gonna beat my face in. I have a feeling now that I'm gonna go 0-2. I will say, well, if maybe I lose I'll the just, first game I do well.
2: Maybe I'll just have a gemstone caverns in my opener when you're in the play, and then I'll just stifle your first turn fetch land, and you'll lose because of it. Well, <laughs> that would be like a dream.
1: Yeah, that would that would freaking suck. But let me let me ask you this: Why are you not running um, real ramp? Uh, artifacts instead of the chrome mocks.
2: Um There's nothing in here that costs a lot of colorless, actually. There were originally Jaces, and then I decided they were terrible the rest in peace energy field combo.
1: Well, I'm just thinking about the helms. Like, you want to energy, you want to enlighten tutor for an
2: early helm, right? I don't know if I care to do that. Like, the mana artifacts, I mean, th- this is a plausible line of play, and to be honest, I boarded in the second. I'm sorry, not boarded in. I changed the deck list right before submission. It included the second helm. I was originally trying to run a three-of-mist-hollow-griffin win, which was the worst idea imaginable, (laughs) um, and and changed it at the last minute. And so with two helms, it could have been a good idea to probably put in a mana vault and a soul ring. I probably wouldn't put in a crypt, just because I don't think I can win fast enough. Um, But I planned on winning a longer game and locking it out with meddling mages and stuff. So I wasn't worried about having four or five lands out on the table.
1: Yeah, and, well, the the only other thing about your deck, like the one thing that I would I would definitely change, and that would be if you added the mana ramp, it gives you two things. Number one, it gives you a tinker out with Blight Seal. Number two, it gives you a tinker out with the Helm combo, and I think that could be pretty huge.
2: I mean, it's possible. To be honest, I'm not a big fan of the Tinker combo in the way that most people are running them. Like, I feel I tend to feel pretty glad when people are running Tinker or Vault Key, just because I feel like the number of times my opponents are drawing a single combo piece without another way to finish it uh, ends up in my favor compared to the number of times that I get comboed out on. And so I I haven't wanted to include those things because they felt inconsistent to me.
1: I hear you. Very cool. Our matchup's definitely going to be cool, and Josh and uh, and, uh, Andy definitely outlined the important cards here. It was... What would you guys pick the misstep the force of will and the detention sphere?
3: yeah, do you like your important card
1: yeah i it's very I like it,
3: just mystical tutor,
1: yeah, and I mean sadly i I think that's a little bit of of humor there. I don't think that's really the only important card, sadly, because if it was, you could meddling mage and pretty much be done with it, but I think. That part of it, the fact that we have, you know, the brainstorms, the other tutors, the show and tells, and just like a random flash and um, what's your name, Rectum, uh, you, you know, it's it's bad news. But I, I definitely think Mystical Tutor is probably the most important card. I agree with that.
3: Sweet, I can't wait to see what happens.
0: Who do we got? Good next? luck to you guys.
3: So, up next we've got our Vintage segment, where we look at a current deck that's in Vintage, and uh, this is a Grixis control list, that top eight at an event uh, about a week ago. And it's, it's pretty similar to things we've seen in Classic before, uh, with Dark Confidants and Snapcaster mages and stuff, um, and then some control elements, like... Missteps and mana drains and lightning bolts. Um, there's force wheels and fluster storms. So It looks good. It's just basically a, a vintage version of what we've had with all the Power 9 in it, except for Time Twister, of course.
2: So how excited are you guys going to be to snapcast a uh, time lock? Oh, I'll, I Very can't wait excited.
1: to snapcast a recall. That's going to yeah, be ridiculous. Oh nice this deck yeah. looks really cool, though. It's definitely... Um, the funny thing is, when I started playing, I was really big into the Grixis. I was playing three-color with Carrion Ants, way back in the day. And uh, definitely, definitely fun. Fun colors, fun cards. All the cards are really good. They're good in Legacy, and they're good in uh, Vintage, so... You know, I'm, of course, referring to, like, Vendiclick, Snapcaster, Dark Confidant. But cool! Good, good choice. I like anything that surprises really you at all what
3: is there anything that surprises you at all it looks fairly similar to what we would consider building we'd just have different cards in the power nine obviously we'd have four brainstorms
1: yeah uh, we'd have the four brainstorms uh he didn't is he even running the ponder he's not even running the ponder he didn't care that much
3: no it's got a lot of counter magic
1: why well, has two tops
2: yeah, that seems weird to me. I'm trying to figure that out.
0: Well, you don't want to be flipping a Blightsteel off your Dark Confident, so it's that's great synergy with Dark Confident. That could be a reason. Well, it's just a I hear
1: you, and he's got four fours, three Js, one Blightsteel, and a bunch of three drops. I, I totally hear you. I, yeah. I think it's a good call if you don't have Brainstorm. I think it makes a lot more sense.
2: I mean, it's, it's just a good... I guess, like, sometimes you you just want to draw it more often than if you only have one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and with me personally, I like, uh, I like the way it works with the, uh, he doesn't have it in here, doesn't look like with the Voltaic Key, you draw an extra card a turn, or if you draw both of them, you can always, uh, crack one when you have a fetch land out and draw a free card.
3: Truly enough. So, looks good. Who we got next one week for the spotlight, Josh? We've got uh, Tommy Topdecker. I'm going to go ahead and guess this isn't his actual name, Thomas. If it is, if it is, that's
0: the coolest last name ever.
3: (laughs) He's from the San Francisco Bay Area in California.
0: How did he become interested in classic, Josh?
3: He played Paper Magic obsessively from Revives Through Masks, and uh, so he enjoys playing with the old cards. And since he doesn't have time to travel to paper tournaments anymore, the once-a-week match commitment of the CQ League works great. Cool. If you could play any
0: classic
2: deck, what would it be?
3: Uh, Mono Blue Spreading Seas?
2: (laughs) You know, I tried to build that. Um, I just don't think that it's... Something you can pull off. Well. I wish I I mean I'm not actually kidding. I, I, I tried to see if you could 4 1 someone to death, but I wish I could play it too, is what I'm trying to say. Tommy, I wish I could play that deck.
3: We've definitely seen him play mono blue before, so maybe he can make it work. Yeah.
0: So what's this guy's favorite MTGO accomplishment? as it relates to tournament play, duck innovation, or community involvement. Uh,
3: He was the first one to play with Squadron Hawk, LOA, and Brainstorm. And he also got Anathomancer banned from Kaleidoscope by whining on the official MTGO boards, so quite an accomplishment.
2: That's funny.
3: So that's Tommy.
2: Is Anathomancer really that good? I mean, I know it's Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope, oh, for sure. But it doesn't price a progress, you. it only it, it does half as much each time, right?
1: Right, but you pretty much guarantee yourself doing it twice, right? Because the format's a lot slower.
2: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it costs friggin' 7 mana, but I don't know.
1: I actually remember that card being really good when uh, all those 5-color Shadowmore standard decks were out. Everybody was running those freaking lands, dude. Ugh. Comes into play tapped, whatever. Anyway, um, anything else this week, guys?
3: That's all I've got.
1: No.
0: Just a reminder for everyone to check out all the feature matches that we got from the Classic Quarter Invitational or Qualifier. That's that's it from me.
1: Definitely. I'd like to thank, as always, our hosts and the sponsors your MTGO and mtgotraders.com respectively. Uh, I'd like to thank AJ for coming on this week. Uh, Planet Walls being a special guest. Thank you so much.
2: Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Nice to have you, AJ.
3: Thank you. (laughs) Josh is so
1: weird. And uh, I think that's about it. See you guys next week. Yeah.
3: Take care, guys.